Welcome to the No Regrets Podcast with Kate. And today I am here with Felice Garcia. Felice and I have known each other since, gosh, how long have we known each other? Like, mm, I'm going to go back uh, a decade, probably. Yeah, ten like years? 10 years. Yeah. I can't believe it. And we met at the Temple of Light, a spiritual community that was in Orange County. And She's an intuitive reader. She's also a successful business owner. She's um, owned her own notary business for many years. And she's an artist. And yeah, and for many years, she had a career in graphic design and marketing. And I'll let her tell the story. But she found herself, you know, starting her own business and getting an intuitive readings because her life changed. And yeah, I'm excited to talk to her today, and I'll just let Felice start. So welcome, Felice. Thank you so much for uh, being on my podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So let's start at the beginning. You had a, a, you had a very good career in graphic design and marketing, probably in the 90s, right? Yes, yes. Yes, and you know, you went to college. So you tell your story. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you first, I, I want to say I was really interested in um, when you asked me for the interview about your theme about life being linear. And I thought, wow, you know, when I was young, I really thought it was linear. I thought if you did all the right things and you went to school and worked really hard and you got that great job and you got in the right relationship, that it was just going to be smooth sailing and then you'd be rewarded for all that hard work. And actually, the process actually turned out quite a little bit different than that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. So a little bit about my story. Uh, When I was young, um, I always did a lot of drawing and painting and I was really interested in art and I decided I wanted to be a graphic designer. So I put myself through college. I worked about uh, five nights a week as a waitress to put myself through art school. I went to Cal State Long Beach and I worked very hard to get to the level of art director. And by the time I was 30, I had achieved most of those goals and simultaneously started having problems with tendonitis in my wrists and burning sensations and problems that I, when I sought medical help, they basically just told me it was overuse. I, I worked about 10 hours a day on, on computers because that was when everything transitioned from manual. And a lot of people don't remember a time before computers, <laughs> but everything in graphic design was done manually to, to keyboarding and things like that. But at the time, there was really no ergonomic technology. Desks were not set up ergonomically. So you're you know, you're doing all this repetitive stuff with uh, the old mouse and the old keyboards and, and there really was no knowledge about how to work ergonomically. So after doing that for about eight years, I sustained some permanent injuries that it that disabled me from continuing in my career and created kind of a chronic pain situation that I've had to live with and learn to manage. So yeah, so that's how I got to the point where I had to make some really tough decisions because although I had done everything right, I had disability insurance, I had medical insurance, I had, I'd had a great job, but you know, it basically got to a point where my disability ran out and they basically said, well, you're not disabled enough not to work. So you have to get a job with, you know, without being able to, I could only spend about 15 minutes or 20 minutes on a computer without taking a break. I couldn't do any lifting. I had, I had, I just had a lot of restrictions that made it really difficult for me to fit into any career environment that I was trained for. So, yeah, so I was offered a some assistance to go back to, to either go back to school or it was a certain amount of money to retrain you, and I used that those funds to get a speech rec- a computer with speech recognition software, which. People that are listening to this, that's very common today, but 20 years ago, it was extremely expensive and, and extremely uh, avant-garde. It was very new technology at sure. the time. Mm-hmm. So I got a computer and I got the voice recognition software that I had to learn to train myself. And then I thought, okay, I really need to get out there and find something that I can do. So I was looking for something in management, something 
where I could oversee projects that I had designed before. So I was in kind of a tough situation because my disability was about to run out. And through a series of events, I was led to a position um, as a program manager at a marketing company. And um, I started a new career after that. So let's, how old are you today? So this has been... I'm 54. Yeah, so it's been over 20 years since this happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I have a couple questions. So let's start with, you said through a series of events that mm -hmm. led you to project management. Now, would you, I guess this kind of, for me, my mind instantly goes to like divine intervention, mm -hmm. you know, like everything kind yes. of universally lined up. Would you agree yes. to that? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just. Yes. I think you're absolutely right on target about that. I had, um, as a hobby, I had been I had been studying metaphysics since my early 20s, and I had learned meditation, and I had been taking courses in intuitive readings and learning how to trust that inner guidance, and basically developing tools to do uh, readings for other people and for myself, and I had come to rely on that as a successful and useful tool in in basically navigating life, life's challenges. And I came to this apex where I was really forced to dig deep into those um, beliefs and those uh, techniques that I had learned to find a way out of the conundrum that I was in. And just to put it into context, my the disability th that I was receiving for living expenses was about to run out in a week. So, you know, I, I got very quiet and I started to meditate and I thought, okay, you know, God, if, and I do believe in God and I believe we all have guidance, a guidance system available to us, whether you want to call it spirit guides or angels, uh, you know, I do believe we, we all have a guardian angel with us. Um, uh, I don't know. There, there are a lot of different schools of belief and um, different ways of identifying that guidance. But I think it's safe to say that once we tune into it, we all have it. It's available to all of us. And when I was able to really get quiet and tune in, I heard this message to call a friend of mine. Um, her name is Yvette. And I had not talked to her in a year and a half, but she was a print vendor of mine. And I got this guidance that I should call her. And so I did. I followed it. And she, I told her, you know, I, you know, I've been gone for a while. I've been out on disability, but I'm ready to get back to work. I just have these restrictions and I'm looking for something in management and, you know, something that might be a good fit that I can still do with the, the limitations that I have. So she said, oh, you know, my husband works at this company called Carlson Marketing Group. And he, you know, they're often looking for people. Let me talk to him. I get a call the next day from her. Yeah, they have a position that they're looking to fill for a program manager. Um, and why don't you, you know, go down for an interview? Here's the person that you need to talk to. So <laughs> without going into too much detail, within a week, I interviewed, got the job, and started the position the same week my disability was running out. Wow. So that really, I think, it made me really think this stuff is real. I mean, I had been doing readings, I had I had been meditating, but I had never had an experience that like that that really gave it such um, validity and context in my own life. Where I mean, it was like it was divine intervention. You know, I thought this is a miracle that I got this job, and on top of that, the job paid more it was a great it was a great experience for me because I was managing um, at that point people that used to do print and and design and things that I did but I also was responsible for new areas of business like video production I worked on um, this the development of sales training materials for Mazda so I was doing um, video I wasn't producing it, I was managing all the people that did it. So I was responsible for the budgets, the schedules, the timelines, all the day-to-day -day contact with the client um, who was Mazda. And I loved it. it. And it was just, you know, wow. So it gave me this view of life that instead of looking at the door that has closed, 
being open to the universe or God or whatever it is your personal belief is, that higher power that knows something's better is out there for you and being open to it and following that intuitive guidance is is invaluable. You know, it 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 really worked in my life and I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to not stare at those closed doors, to to look at what's ahead and what possibilities are out there and be open to those inner inner voices and those I call them intuitive hits that and following them. Sure, absolutely. I want to back. I want to back up a little bit because you said something, um, you know, when you before this all happened that you had to get quiet and really dig into the, the the belief system, and you said in the beginning that you did think that life was linear and that if you did all the right things and you worked really hard that life would you would be rewarded at the end. Mm-hmm. Where do you think those beliefs came from? Like who taught you that? I think society taught me that. I think television taught me that. I think Walt Disney taught me that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, didn't we all think that we were going to marry Prince Charming and (laughs) life was going to be happily ever after? And I think that we live in a world where we look, we, we see these things in the media. We, and, and I, and I don't think it was my, my parents, you know, I don't, I really think it was society. It, It was these norms and these, beliefs that you grow up around that it is heavily influential for a young impressionable person. Sure. Were you disenchanted when kind of, I don't want to use everything probably felt like, and I'm not trying to tell you how you felt, but did it feel like everything just fell apart? And did you have any, did you have to like heal and like retrain your brain when things didn't work out the way you thought it would? Like, oh, what was that process? Absolutely. I had to constantly learn to control my thoughts because obviously, if anyone's ever been on disability or in chronic pain, I was also at the time um, a tennis player. I had played tennis competitively for 15 years and I could no longer play because I had I couldn't even grip for very long. I, I mean, I had difficulty, I had difficulty at the time doing simple things like writing a check or opening a door. And just those simple things became so difficult, those everyday simple things that I had to constantly focus on, okay, what can I do today? You know, I'm going to go have coffee with a friend or I'm going to go to a movie. I'm going to do something that keeps my spirits up. Um, I did some volunteer tutoring. I tried to think of things that made me feel useful and not go to that dark side where, and I I did go through depression and um, anxiety, you know, and all of those things that it's understandable that those things are going to happen. And I think those things happen to most people at some time in their life and having the tools to get through those things, whether it's a support system, you know, learning to meditate, a mindfulness practice. I think it's important to realize we all go through those struggles and don't give up. There's always, you know, there's always hope. There's always a silver lining. There's always going to be a solution, you know, but no, I, I have mean, to. I have to circle back to what your original question. Was. <laughs> no, no, that's Sorry. great. I mean, I think yeah. I just kind of got a little flowy there. What? No, no, that's great. I, I was going to ask you, you know, if you experienced any depression, and rightfully so. And right. I mean, and how I, did you I, really? I, I mean, I know I've been, you know, I think we've all experienced depression. It's really hard to get yourself out of that funk, even though you know you're going to feel better. How did you? do all those things? How did you pick yourself up and well, go tutor do and do all those things? I didn't do it alone. And I think that's the, the most important message as, as human beings, and especially in this technology driven age that we live in with everyone on their PDAs all the time and their smartphones. And it's like, there's human contact is so important. Your friends, your family, your support, having a support system is very important. And if it's not your immediate family, you know, find the right friends, find the right social group, find, find the people that lift you up. It's focusing on the people and the experiences that lift you up rather than pull you down and continuously and, and reaching out. I mean, I, 
talked about it to people. I, you know, I had a handful of friends that I could rely on, that I could trust, that I could cry in front of, you know, but it, it's, I think it's important to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to reach out to other people for help. And I think, I think other people, people want to help people. You know, if someone comes to me with a problem, I want to, I, it makes me feel good about myself to be able to help them. If I can share something that happened to me and would have a positive outcome, you can give someone else hope or, you know, I think people need each other and sometimes they're afraid to admit that or to reach out or to, to be vulnerable. Right. Being vulnerable is really hard because you feel really, you know, open and like this, you're this huge gaping wound and you're afraid that somebody's going to judge you or yeah, uh, it could be a, a million things. Um, it's really hard, but I think we need to be in that space and to open up and share our story. And that's part of why I want to do this podcast is I want people to hear other people's stories so people don't feel alone. Well, and honestly, it's funny because when you told me you were doing this and I started to read or listen to the um, the previous interviews, I thought, I thought, wow, this is really cool. I mean, people are talking about things that people don't want to talk about, you know, and then you realize, oh, I'm not the only one that's felt like that. I like, I felt depression. I felt anxiety. I've gone through a job loss, a relationship loss, uh, you know, things that you, you feel like when it's happening to you that you're all alone and you're the only one that it's happening to. And a lot of times there's this and I still have it sometimes, like this feeling that I'm going to be judged if I talk about it. So I just have to grin and bear it or, you know, just try and hope that it's going to go away or, but it's so important, I think, for people to be able to share their stories, you know, especially people who are further along in life, they've obviously had more experiences, you know, to be able to relate to those younger people who are going through something for the first time and not realizing everything passes good and bad, it passes, you know, the only thing constant in life is change. Sure. Do you want to expand on that? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I maybe. think, I think a lot of people are afraid of change and is it the fear of unknown? I mean, what do you think? Well, I think, I think change happens. It, I think change is happening all the time, whether you want it to or not. So even if you're that person, and I saw this happening, you know, when I was maybe in my 30s in career where people would have the same job for 25 some odd years, and especially in the private sector where there are no there are no protections in the private sector. If a company wants you to wants to lay you off and you're 50 something with kids in college and, you know, whatever, they can do that. Right. And and I saw that, I remember seeing that happen and think, thinking, you know, here's a, somebody who was, you know, comfortable in their career, secure in their career. It wasn't a choice. They got laid off. And, and then it's tougher to go back out into the, the um, job market and try and get an equally paying job with, you know, the same benefits when you're 20 years younger or older, you know, there's a lot of discrimination. And I think, a lot of changes, a lot of change, I think, is forced on people. And I think part of survival is adapting to those changes. But I think you're also um, talking about, if I'm correct, people wanting to do things and being afraid to do them, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it could be either or. I, and I guess that's part of my, what do I call it? Uh, another part of the reason... I want to do this is because I think some people, I know some people are very focused on the three, five, 10 year plan. What are you going to do for retirement? And it's, and I'm not opposed to having goals and things to strive for. That's not what I'm talking about. I just don't think that life is that rigid and I'm going to do this. And this is the way it's going to turn out because things in life happen. Like you said, you know, somebody could be with a company for 25 years and they're 50 and then get laid off. Like, how could you have planned for that? Because you think you're secure, you feel secure and you're just be bopping along. And then the next day you're without a job. So uh, 
I can't speak well, for everybody. I just, I wonder if more people think that this is my life and it's going to be, this is the trajectory I'm going on and nothing's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, uh, my brother-in-law has this little thing on his emails. Every time he sends you an email, it says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans oh, are. Oh yeah. And, oh, I love that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I had the three, five, 10 year plan and I, I just laugh now because I just think it doesn't matter. Like, Pretty much nothing I planned turns out the way I planned it. But what I've learned is there is not staring, like I said earlier, at those closed doors because there's going to be an opportunity that you're going to miss if you're so stuck to your plan that, you know, and again, there's nothing, like you were saying, there's nothing wrong with having goals. I think it's good to have goals, you know, and to, it's good to live responsibly and, you know, have some savings if you can and, a retirement plan if you can, but I don't think life is just, it, it just is not predictable. And I mean, I had all of those things. I had a 401k, I had disability insurance, I had health insurance, I, like I had all of those things. I had skills. And then all of a sudden I got thrown this curveball that made it impossible for me to do the job that I had all this training for. And I had to, I was forced out of that. So I think life, I think you just, I don't know. I just think um, there's a, you, you're familiar with A Course in Miracles. I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with A Course in Miracles, but I think there's something in there that says a healed mind never plans. Because <laughs> a healed <laughs> mind is okay with the unknown and is okay with change. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. I think I, now I I really focus on living in the moment because Spending too much, spending time worrying about the past is a waste of time. And, and, and a lot of anxiety is, well, depression is worrying about looking back, worrying about the past, like things that happened in the past. Anxiety is fear of the future. And when you're in both of those, either one of those modes, they're very low vibrational modes. And if you're in the moment, and focused on the present, I think that's when all miracles and healing and opportunities, that's where everything's going to happen. It's always going to happen in the present. And when you're in the flow, right? When you're in the flow. Yeah, I think, yeah, when you're, you know, and that's where I think mindfulness is really important, having some sort of mindfulness practice, whether it's, you know, meditation, yoga, there, I, there, I think there are so many different things that work for people, but my, mindfulness, mindfulness being learning a technique where you can shut out that mind chatter, the, um, the fearful thoughts, the anxious thoughts, and, you know, be present in the moment and quiet enough because that's when you get the, the intuition flowing. That's when, the, um, you know, all the, the ideas will come, the, the creative thoughts. And you don't have to be a creative person to have creative thoughts. Sure. You know, It right? could be just as, as simple as, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, you have a decision to make and you're getting quiet or it'll come to you. Right. Right. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There's a couple things that um, you said, you know, you had all these skills and maybe this might be a good segue into your quote unquote, second life, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had all the third, I've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been forced to, you know. Right. And that's my question. You know, you had all these skills and life threw you a curveball. Do you think that that means you were meant to do something else? That the yeah, universe you know, was I, guiding you or you had a bigger purpose? I, I did. And I thought, you know, I started taking more uh, courses in intuitive healing and intuitive development. And then as I, as you know, I met you at um, Temple of Light when I started, I volunteered to do a reading there. And that was an interesting course of events, how I, went, I wound up there. Let's backtrack. Let's start at the beginning. You were doing project management for an ad mm -hmm. agency and then you, you were taking more courses, but then you ended up leaving there. And let's start from that beginning. Uh, yeah. And then going I, I, to Temple of Light. Well, I, I got laid off from there because oh, okay. uh, I was there for five years. And ultimately, anyone who's ever worked in marketing or advertising knows it's all account-based. And it's, you know, if your company loses an account, you basically lose your job. So we 
there were transitions. Well, there were a lot of things going on within the company. We were part of a, a we were part of a satellite office from a b- bigger company that was based in Minneapolis. Um, and an automotive division that was in Detroit, we were kind of like the LA satellite office that handled the, because so many automotive clients were here, which they no longer are because they all started leaving. Nissan left and Toyota left. And so uh, they decided to close our office, the Mm. mothership. So, So it didn't exist anymore. So that solution that I had found at that time it turned out it was great at the time, and I I got a lot out of it. I made good money. I was able to travel a lot. I made I made the most amazing friends that I, I still have today. So it really was. I was really pushed to push beyond my boundaries of what I thought I was capable of, and and um, something really great came out of it. But like I said, <laughs> all things good and bad. I mean, they, they, they don't last. So, um, that job was no longer uh, a possibility. And that was, that was, uh, that was after 2000, uh, that was 9-11 when 9-11 happened was when they, everybody panicked and they laid everybody off and, you know, eventually closed our office. So, um, that was a difficult time for a lot of people, obviously. And that was 2001. And, um, I found myself in a situation. Oh, I had got, I got laid off one week after I closed escrow on a condo. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So my it's first like time ever, wedding. you know, I was ready to be a homeowner and all of a sudden I didn't have a job and I thought, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do now? So, and keep in mind, I still had the same limitations that never went away. I had, you know, the, I had to find another job with my, sorry, I can only spend 15 or 20 minutes on a computer. And at that time, five years later, technology had advanced to the point where nobody actually sat in meetings anymore. People, everything was web-based. Everything was, everything involved being on a computer pretty much 24-7. So I thought, I don't know if it's possible for me to like get back into that corporate setting with these limitations you know, so I really, so I basically went through the same process, you know, of course I, I did, (laughs) I was stressed out. I lost a lot of sleep, but I thought, okay, it worked before. So I just started praying and getting quiet. And then all of a sudden I get this call from my mom, a friend of my, oh, my mom, but it was a friend of hers that, uh, was a notary and she did loan signings for a living. And she said, well, I don't, you know, I'm not on the computer all day. Felice could probably do what I do. And, you know, I think she'd be really good at it. And so my mom's telling me this and I thought, Honestly, I didn't even know what a notary did. I was like, what <laughs> do they do? I thought, okay. So I started listening and then it clicked and I thought, okay, that's what I, I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm going to do. And keep in mind, this was, I knew I had, I had purchased a house, but that was my only experience ever handling loan papers. And it terrified me. I didn't know anything that I was signing. I was like, oh, this is so confusing. And so here I am embarking on this career where I'm going to be the person doing that. So I just decided that I was going to do that and nothing was going to stop me because I needed, I needed to make money. And at that time, interest rates had gone really low. So everybody was refinancing. So you could get into that industry with very little experience. It's completely the opposite now, but with very little experience. So she took me, I, I did the notary test and got commissioned as a notary, um, learned all that. And and then she took me out on assignments with her. So I learned that and I started a business as a notary signing agent and I did a lot of business development. I got, went out and got clients and I built it up in a couple months. I was doing almost the same as I was doing, um, when I had my marketing job, working less hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't something that I was passionate about. It was something that I, I liked learning something new. I liked doing something different and it was paying the bills. But I think that at that time, you know, I, I did that for a while, but there was still something kind of missing like creatively and spiritually, which led me to my next adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do next? I mean, so you're, you're working as a notary, you, you've built a successful business and it wasn't your passion. So what led you to become an intuitive reader? 
Um, I, well, I had always done the readings. I had done them for friends. I had always taken the classes. I had always, you know, I was always reading all the books and it was just a hobby and a passion of mine. So there were a series of things that happened after the market crashed in, um, I think 2006 or 2007, my business died. All of a sudden I went from having regular business for something like, how did long was like maybe four years, five years when I started the business to literally nothing overnight because I'm sure everybody remembers the crash of 2000. Was it 2006? Yeah, right around that time uh-huh. when everything crashed. So then I was back in that, what am I going to do situation? So I, I, I thought, okay, um, it's worked before. So I did my whole, uh, meditation process. I made a list of exactly, I thought, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get a, and of course this is like several years later now. So I thought I'm just going to go back and get a corporate job. And I made a list of all the qualities that I wanted in a job. And I thought I even down to what, you know, the office looked like, and I'm going to get a car allowance. And, and I, I really had a belief in my ability to manifest. And I thought, if I think, you know, if I'm clear about what I want, I know that it's going to come. And so I, I really had this, idea of what I wanted. And I was going to go back and get what I considered a real. And this is, this is where I've learned to, I really learned to rethink what a real job is, you know, cause we have this idea of what a real job is yeah. a real. And I thought that my notary business was like, it was a way, it was a way for me to make money. It was, I was learning something new, but it wasn't like a real job where you go to an office and you have vacation time and you have uh, a paycheck every two weeks and you have benefits, you know, that was always to me what a real job was. And, and if you you're not, and if you're not doing the, it, you do these other things on the side, but you were supposed to have a real right. job. And if, yeah, if you didn't have a real job, then, you know, you're frowned upon almost. Right. 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 Which is kind Ridiculous. of laughable today in this gig economy that we live in, you know, every, you know, so many people have three or four things that they're doing. And it's because these real jobs are, I, I I don't know. Yeah, of course there are great jobs that are out there and for, you know, for skilled workers or, but it doesn't, that nine to five, that structure, it doesn't fit for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody. And it doesn't always work forever. So long story short about that, when I did, I did my list and I knew what I I thought, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to, and then I am going to, get back into that corporate thing. So I had, this was, remember monster.com? I don't know if people use that anymore, but that, Uh oh, people do. Okay. I know there's all these other things now, Indeed and ZipRecruiter and all these other Glassdoor, but that, so I posted my resume on there and I just had, you know, clicked whatever it was, the things that I wanted in a job. So I get a, (laughs) I get a call. It always is like 24 or 48 hours later. Wow. I got a call from this um, vice president of a company in Cincinnati and they wanted to interview me. They had won this big account. I wanted to go into too much detail and they interviewed me and ended up getting the job and it had all those things that down to the, you know, had a car allowance, you know, paid vacations and, but what happened and this, this was where things got strange. Like, I was really unhappy and it wasn't working. It wasn't clicking. You know, it was like I had asked for all these things. They manifested. But I think because I was, and it wasn't just that I wasn't happy. It ended up that I wasn't able to do the job. Physically, it was way too demanding for me. And my injuries all flared back up and I was in a ton of pain. I lasted about four months and I had to resign. And it was a, it was a great company. It was a great job. I was super lucky and super blessed that they offered it to me, but it, it wasn't fitting. It wasn't working. I couldn't, it, it, it didn't work anymore. And then I had to rethink, okay, this whole manifesting thing about when you really get clear about what you want. I mean, I, I must've missed the mark somewhere because I asked for all these things and on the surface they showed up, but it wasn't working. So I, 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 it really made me think, you know, I'm at a different point in my life now. Maybe I need something different. Shortly thereafter, the notary business that that business that I had picked up again, because all these new programs came out for the short sales and the, you know, all the the things that were going on in the um, real estate economy then. Sure. 
their, their, the demand picked up. But there was that thing of, okay, there's something missing here. And um, one of the things I had, I had been watching You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Oh, right. And uh, I, I think I had the audio and I, I had the movie. And one of the things in there that caught my attention was she talked about how when you're feeling down, depressed, bad, to do something for someone else, like offer to sweep your neighbor's floor or help somebody. And it shifts from your focus on yourself to um, service. And uh, service, you know, when you're in that service, uh, that service mode or mentality, I I think you feel good about yourself. I mean, I think ultimately we all are here to be of service. And that doesn't mean sacrificing your happiness. I I, I think it means showing up and giving of yourself. Without attachment. Let's make that Without attachment. You know, wanting something in return, whether it's something physical or an emotional feeling, right? Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Without trying to get something to validate yourself. No, 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 no. But it's from your heart and, you know, and you feel good about doing it. And so I I saw that and I thought, okay. And then I thought, what can I do? That's, you know, I want to help. And I had remembered a friend of mine had been wanting me to do a reading for her. And I thought, so I called her up and I said, oh, remember, you know, you you said you wanted a reading and I'm going to do it for you. So we picked a time. And so she was really happy because she she loved her, you know, the, the information that she got from the reading, the intuitive reading. And, uh, so I thought, oh, that felt good. You know, and I thought I want to, I want to do this more. Like, I think I need to, I feel like I'm being of service and I'm helping people by doing this. And how can I, how, you know, how can I do this more? And so then I got this email. I mean, of course it was like a couple of days later, I got this email <laughs> from, I think it was, uh, Danielle, Hewitt over the Temple of Light, they were doing a, it was an angel therapy reunion. And I had gone and gotten certified by Doreen Virtue like a decade before. I mean, I had 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 taken the courses and done all the certifications years before, but I was on this mailing list. And so it was all these other people that were intuitive readers. And it was just like this fun reunion event. I thought, oh, I'm going to go to that. And so I went and we all did, you know, we had a great time networking and doing exchange readings. And at the end of that, and that was right before the, the grand opening, I believe, at Temple of Light. And I'm not even sure if you were there at, no, yet. No, oh, you yet. weren't on? Oh, you yeah, I didn't it. get there until like 2009 or something. Oh, I think that I think that was 2009, I, but I, I think it was, it was maybe a few months before you mm-hmm. got there, but it was right at the, maybe it was 2008. No, it was, it was whenever they, right before they, the grand opening of the first facility that they were in. Mm-hmm. And so I got to meet Danielle and meet some of the other people, but these, these were people that were just uh, specifically the, um, the people certified by Doreen Virtue that had gone through her, her program. And and I don't believe that program's offered anymore, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, okay. So through that networking experience, what happened was their grand opening was the following day. And I had never really had the confidence to work in a big center, like, um, the Learning Light Foundation or, you know, some of the bigger holistic centers. I had always just done it privately with friends or, you know, as a hobby, the readings. And I, got home and I realized one of my earrings was gone and I thought, and they were, you know, it was like one of my favorite pair of earrings. And I thought, Oh man. So, so I called and I called the temple of light where I had been at the event and they said, yeah, we found it. If you want to come pick it up tomorrow, tomorrow was their grand opening. Mm -hmm. So I showed up, I went to get my earring and it turned out one of the readers that they had scheduled had canceled. Oh, wow. So I said, well, if you're looking for someone to fill that spot, I, I mean, I can do it. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. So that's how I wound up doing readings there. And then from that point on, I was there for a couple of years doing all the holistic, um, all the, the, you know, the fairs and the events and things like that there. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Right. And, um, and that's it, how I met you. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we met. And a lot of other amazing people. Yep. And so you were doing both. You were doing the notary yeah. and the readings. Yes, because 
I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't making a lot of money doing the readings cause it was here and there. And, you know, it was just, you know, maybe a Saturday event or I was on their website. So I would get, um, sometimes clients through that, but it was random. So it was like, you know, here and there. So the other business was supporting me and, and paying my bills. Yeah. And the reading okay. was your, the intuitive readings were your passion or your creativity. Yeah, outlet. It was really great. And it was a, it was a really great. And I met some really amazing people. So, but then they, you know, a lot, of, and then I, I eventually started doing workshops and other events. Yeah. So I did that for a few years and, you know, then life changed again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if anybody's interested in, um, in, in intuitive reading by Felice, she can be, you can reach her at Felice72 at AOL.com to shoot her an email and she can, um, she's more than available for intuitive readings by phone or in person if you're local. Are you okay with in person if they're local? I, I think I, it depends. Yeah. I typically I'm, I'm probably going to work by phone or Skype. Okay. Yeah. Great. And you're not at a center right now. You're doing No. Them. Yeah. I, I found that when I was working in the big centers, one of the things was I, you're, you're dealing with a lot of other energies around you and just makes it a little bit more challenging. Sometimes that's great. Well, it's not so much the challenge. It's just, yeah, it's a little, you can't control the environment. Like you can't control the noise. You can't control the other things going on around you. So, and also like any other facility or, or organization, their politics play into it, you know, they're sure. become, they're become, and, and then you have to deal with that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, I think, and then, you know, for a while I had a, a website and I was doing more marketing and I just felt like it was taking the fun out of it and taking the enjoyment out of the service part of it. So now I just pretty much, uh, you know, I like to still stay available and I'm still doing the other things I was doing. I still have the other business that I have and, but I do like to do the readings and I do it mostly by referral or by, um, word of mouth. Yeah. So that's the same thing, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Yeah. I think, you know, working, but I'm in still a open for service. Yeah. And I kind of, the, you know, working at a facility kind of goes back to, or related to almost like a corporate job, right? You, you don't have, you have to, you know, manage everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and it kind of takes the fun out of it, would you say? Well, like even under bit. the best circumstances, I think, you know, there have to be discussions back and forth about the space that, you know, what's your space and, you know, how much space do you have? And, you know, if it gets too crowded, I, I didn't, enjoy that experience of having other people right on top of me when I was having a private um, session with a client, you know, so it's, it's just makes it a little more challenging to, to do it that way. But it's a good way to get exposure and to get, you know, to network with other people. So this is just for me, where I am in my life now, because I went through a lot of other changes in my life. And you know, now I just feel like this is where I am now. And I, I like to honor that. And I, I am happy to be to do the work because I love it and to provide the service. But I like it in a more controlled environment. Sure, sure, sure. No, I understand. No, I think that's great. Um, I am. Yeah. Gonna, I am going to ask you a question because mm -hmm. and I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And if you're because um, I'm kind of in the same boat. So um, when you were talking earlier, you're 54. And um, you've uh, been close to getting married, but never married and not have kids. Do you think that, have you experienced that kind of society, like, uh, what's wrong with you? Or, you know, why haven't you been married? You know what I mean? Do, have you ever experienced anything Honestly, like that? Honestly, I think I've put that more on myself than society has ever put it on me. I, I think that that bothered me for a long time. I, yeah, I think to some degree, maybe people do, but I think, I think it's really up to us to say, you know, Hey, I, I don't have to make excuses for how I've lived my life. You know, I, if it's the right situation, 
the timing is right, the circumstances are right. There's nothing better than being in a great relationship with the right person um, who shares the same values, who shares the same goals in life. Because I've seen that happen, I know it's possible, but there's also nothing worse than being in the wrong situation. And I, you know, for me, it's better for me to be on my own than to be in a situation where I feel like I'm becoming a lesser version of myself than a better version of myself. I couldn't agree more. So what is your definition of no regrets? Well, I think having no regrets means to be living, living your life kind of unapologetically, whether you, whether you met society's standards or you didn't, I think it's the judgment that you put on yourself. It, it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And it doesn't matter if you made mistakes. And I think that some of the, you know, the best ways we move forward is from learning from our previous mistakes. So I think if I have, if I have one major regret, it's the time I wasted worrying about what other people <laughs> thought or worrying about the mistakes that I made because it's a waste of time. It's just a waste of time. Learn from it. You know, Hey, that wasn't a great choice. That was a, but now I know better. So, you know, I think living with no regrets is, is living in the moment and not focusing on those closed doors, being mindful and getting in touch with your own, you know, guidance system to make the right decisions, to move your life forward in the direction that you want it to go without anxiously worrying about how that's going to turn out or fearfully worrying. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love how you say just to live unapologetically. Yes. You know, right. right. I think that's great. I know you do. <laughs> Has anyone out there read her book? <laughs> well, you know, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> I think people who live unapologetically get a lot of flack from, you know, those that think you should be living a certain way or really they're just projecting their own fears or their lack of courage to live their lives unapologetically. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, we come into this world alone, we leave alone, and it's, it's really our responsibility to make ourselves happy. And I think if, and I don't mean that in a selfish way. Right. I think you, who is it? I think it's, Lisa Nichols is that motivational speaker who I remember watching her one time and she said, you have to live, you live from your, don't live from your cup, live from your saucer. So you have to fill your own cup up first. And then with the overflow, you're really able to give. Mm. But when you're constantly depleting your own resources to make everybody else happy, you're going to, not you, but anyone, you it's not going to be a joy to be around that person, you know, because they're not going to be happy. They're going to be miserable. So it's really important to figure out first, what are my needs? You know, how can I live my life in a way that I feel like I'm moving myself forward in a positive way? I'm making the right choices, the right decisions. And sometimes that means making really tough decisions and decisions that you think other people aren't going to agree with, you know, your close friends, your family members, but you have to trust your own inner guidance. You have to really learn how to get in touch with that heart-based feeling rather than, you know, and I've heard it said, your, your brain, your mind is for making those small choices, opening the door, paying the bills, doing the, you know, doing the normal everyday things, but it's from your heart that you have to make the really big decisions, whether or not to take that job, that relationship, the move, you know, those really big decisions in life should really come from your heart. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I like the saying too, uh, you don't need to catch yourself on fire to keep others warm. Ah, I've never heard that one. Oh, I, yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I've seen that a couple times and I'm like, yep. At the end of the day, nobody's in your shoes. Nobody knows what you're experiencing. And I, I've talked in previous podcasts of how uh, I, in the past, I've been very guilty of, well, you should do this and you should do that. And then realizing, who am I to say what's best for you? Yeah. Um, and then I saw an interview 
recently, instead of telling people what to do, we should ask, how can I help you? What do you need? Because somebody's going to need something different than what we think they should need. And I right. thought that was really beautiful. So. Right. And I, and it, I think it's always the mistake to think that someone else is going to benefit from living their life the way you want to live your life because everybody's different, you know? I mean, if we were all this, if we all needed the same things and wanted the same things and benefited from the same things, there would be no diversity in the world. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's important to think, okay, this is how I would do it, but they have a different perspective and a different, they have different goals, different wants, different needs. So it may not make sense to me, but more power to them. Right. Exactly. Well, Fleece, I want to thank you so much for being on today, and I've really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, Felice has agreed to do a giveaway. She's, going, uh, she's giving away a half-hour reading. It would be by phone or Skype. So if you leave an iTunes or a review um, on this episode for this podcast, you can uh, be entered to you will be entered to win a half-hour reading, intuitive reading by Felice Garcia. And she is available for intuitive readings. You can email her at Felice, that's F-E-L-I-S-E 72 at AOL.com. And for her art, you can see her designs at Felice Designs, that's F-E-L-I-S-E Designs at Zazzle.com, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com. So Felice, thank you so much. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to add to today's episode? Well, it was a pleasure speaking to you, Kathleen, and I think uh, I think we covered a lot of territory, and, and it was a great conversation. And thanks, thanks um, for letting me be part of this great creation of yours. Oh, no you regrets so with Kate. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. You were I love on it. my list. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye.